Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And welcome to another powerful conversation. I've been excited about this conversation all week long, and we're continuing our theme, our focus for this season of healing, health, Mm and wellness. And I've shared with you, actually, I believe it was in the month of April, April, when I spoke several times about our um, teen healing camp that we are trying to have in this summer in the Kensington area of Philadelphia. And I asked for your help. Well, I'm excited to share that I have the executive director behind the founding and the development of that camp and a whole lot more for a conversation on taking trauma healing to the streets. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you a little bit about her. Reverend Desiree Guyton is founder and executive director of Quest Trauma Healing Centers and the CEO of Healing Quest Counseling Villages. She's a licensed professional counselor, adjunct professor at Missio Seminary. She earned both her Master of Divinity and Master of Arts in Counseling from Biblical Theological Seminary. She has 27 years of experience serving youth and young adults as youth director with 12 years in direct individual and family counseling. Reverend Des is co-author of Healing Wounds of Generational Trauma, The Black and White American Experience. And in 2013, she received a Global Trauma Recovery Institute training certificate. And in 2017, Master Trainer Trauma Healing Certificate from American Bible Society. Since 2014, she served with Global Trauma Recovery Institute as a team member for the Rwanda in Africa training of pastors and counselors as lay trauma healing. Her life verse is Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to thy own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And her path has taken her into some of the hardest underserved, underrepresented communities. And she's offering love, hope, and healing. So let's jump into a conversation. Welcome to the show. Oh, Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Jackson. I, my heart is touched by your openness to allow me to come and just have this conversation. I'm so looking forward to it. Well, it, it has been a privilege for me to um, be one of the newest members to the board of Quest Trauma Healing Centers. And the work, I've been drawn to the work before I even um 
had the privilege of becoming a member of the board and um, supporting community liaisons. And I think what has had me so drawn and passionate about your work is how big your heart is for taking healing to intentional places Mm -hmm. that are crying out for love. And so as we get ready, I've had several guests talk about their definition of trauma, but I'd like to actually hear, how are you defining healing? That's an awesome question, because I think people feel that healing is this final place, and it's really a journey, right? And so it's a part of a journey first of recognizing that I've been wounded and given voice, right? and begin to regain power because trauma usually takes away power. A person's sense of self and and, um, and they lose their voice and powerlessness. So healing's a part of first recognizing that I've lost this that I, and, and to grieve. What uh, trauma all, also always has grief mm-hmm. actively involved. So it's a part of this journey of first grieving, identifying what's happening, what happened and power and regaining that power. Yes. And that the past becomes less and less intense. Yes. And so for me, healing's a part and helping people to see it's a journey mm-hmm. and that healing's a part of this this process. And so when a person says, I no longer having nightmares or I'm no longer having this, it's a part of these little journeys and steps that you can help them to begin to see that that's healing. Healing is not always this final place because a, a wound often still has a scar. Yes. And that image of being on a journey and the powerful work that the, the entire team at Quest Trauma Healing Centers, it's, it's literally coming alongside of people mm-hmm. as they're going on that journey and the multiple emotions and experiences that they will have on that journey to have trained um, individuals who can help them navigate that. I'd like for you to share a little bit more about what what does Quest Trauma Healing Centers actually offer when we're talking about taking trauma healing to the streets? Yeah, because the streets, we all know, is very violent, right? Mm -hmm. And streets also means home. Often people are experiencing complex trauma, so it's multiple trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we say we're taking trauma healing to the streets, we mean that we're helping the community to be empowered to create sacred, safe and sacred space for people to heal. And because everyone's not going to come to a therapist's office. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I can train the community, the church, organizations, places to first understand trauma, but also create this safe place where people can begin this trauma healing journey. And so that's really what we do. We create safe spaces by training people locally and also create, you know, we help them have their healing groups and then we also Mm -hmm. train them. So our goal is like within two years that that particular community has began having master trainers and being able to have trainers and uh, being able to multiply and and continue that growth within that community. So that's our vision. So I hear this kind of process where uh, a team or a neighborhood or 
a, an organization can come together to begin to experience and go through the training to actually understand healing groups. And then through that process, begin to access the opportunity. So how do I then become a trainer? And then as they continue to equip their skills, the the goal is for them to actually be self-sustaining, to continue to serve that community right where they are so the community doesn't have to go somewhere else, but the heart of the work stays right with the people that they trust, the the gatekeepers that are there. I just see such the true image of village. Exactly. And so that's that's what and that's what our centers do, right? So our centers is where we're pouring in our resources and we're getting others to support that may not ha- that the community does not have mm-hmm. the financial resources. So we bring in suburban or wealthier people to support this and be part of the solution, right? Yes. Instead of sitting back and saying, "Oh, this community is just really hurting." Instead, let's let's pour together our resources. You may not be able to go, but if you could say, "I want this community to begin to heal," so we pour into the churches in that area. We bring the pastors together. Try to bring uh, the organizations together and train lay people. This is the key. Yeah. You don't have to be a professional to help people to walk in the journey and then to help them to understand what does it mean to create safety, right? What does it mean to create, uh, to be a safe community? So part of our process is to help the church to be safe or mm-hmm. help the community and organizations to be safe, right? And so, like you said, if we could pour in, multiply with master trainers and trainers, then they can sustain. But also what we've been able to do in the last two years was connect to universities and seminaries and provide individual and family counseling at a minimal cost mm-hmm. to the people that have already gone through the healing group and needed continual individual um, support. Powerful. So, yeah. so uh, you you mentioned um, in that in that last explanation, you mentioned the word church. And I know that I have been in in and around um, ministries that are beginning to really recognize the level of trauma within their their congregations. Mm-hmm. What message do you have for churches that you want them to understand? about the needs that are in their congregations and opportunities for them to learn how to support. Yeah. So, you know, my, my favorite line to pastors is one reason why you can't have good church meetings is often you have people who have trauma mm-hmm. that's in your church meeting, right? So they're overreacting. And, and, and then why ministries also seem difficult is because if people, especially in certain urban settings, they have complex trauma. So they have trauma going to school, uh, going just going to work. They're heightened, so their threat system is overly active, and so they're in hyper mode or what we call hyper vigilant mm-hmm. or very overreactive. Right. So when they come to church, if they haven't learned how to calm their threat system, yeah, 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 right. Mm-hmm. So there's people who who really seek to really love God. Most people really want to do right. They want, and then you wonder why they are overreacting or having anger ex- episodes or seeing something because trauma shapes how a person's perception 
and can begin to impact their perception, how they see themselves in the world, because why the world become totally unsafe, right? And so if the world's unsafe, then even though I know God is loving and, and everything, though everything's hyper, right? So I try to help pastors to say, hey, you want less people to come in your office? You need to train the church to be a safe community. To, so when you look at a person, you're not saying, oh, she's strange, she's weird, leave her alone. Instead, what happened? Yeah. Okay, what happened? How can we help her on this journey and begin to say, let's heal. Let's, mm-hmm. let's help her on help him and her mm-hmm. uh, on a healing journey. And that's the church. And if everyone's on this journey, because pastors have tra- trauma too. I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> I was hoping you would say that. Healthy leadership, yeah. recognizing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you help them to see that they make some decisions that's really based out of their past and their pain and their hurt. Right. And so we can create safe spaces for the leaders to hurt, uh, to walk through. And that's what we do. We, we only try to help the church or even organizations, their leadership go through it. So they can say, and let me tell you, I've had pastors say, Des, I'm so glad I did this before the pandemic. I was, I was successfully able to take my church through it. Wow. You know, wow. and they said it was the best tool that they could have, that they could have ever gone through to be able to, to uh, be a leader who understand pain and hurt. Wow. A leader that understands pain and hurt. I think about, um, and our message is is going around the world, so I want to paint a little bit of mm-hmm. context for those who aren't physically in Pennsylvania. We have been experiencing an outcry of pain and hurt in our streets. Yes. A lot of it has been at the hands of young people. Mm-hmm. And if we could get leaders to more leaders to continue to understand how do I navigate, how do I serve, how do I help people navigate their pain and hurt, we could begin to create some shifts and change. What have you learned about working so closely with young people who are screaming out for love? I transitioned from a youth pastor to a therapist for a reason. I had over 300 youth teens in Bible study on Tuesday nights, right? Because we created a place that was safe. We had a thousand, oh, close to a thousand teens coming on Friday nights, right? So what we did was we understood that they were hurting. This is years ago, right? So that, that transition, but I was learned that I needed additional skills. I had kids who were really going through depression, going through ADHD and going through a lot of trauma at home. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I didn't have the skills. I was actually hurting them. Mm. Right. I've also learned that sometimes we really hurt people with Bible beating and and not having a clinical or giving them some skills that they needed. And that's why this is so deeply passionate of Mm -hmm. mine is to help people to understand we can train lay people to have better tools yeah. to walk alongside. And the biggest tools would be quiet and listen, right? Because <laughs> we as human, we struggle to listen, right? Yes. But can I zone in on a word you just said, layperson? Because I feel like 
I literally am in my mind hearing people say, well, I'm not a therapist. I know the Bible. I'm not a therapist. I, I'm, I'm here to be able to deliver the word. Or someone who is, I know music. I know how to lead worship. I'm not a therapist. So now I've got to be a therapist too. What do you say to those who are feeling like, well, that's not, that's not my area. Mm-hmm. What, what, how do you help them lessen their fear? Right. First, I think everybody needs to learn what it means to be a safe person. Period. Mm. Right? Because safe people, people that are not safe, right? They cut you off. They they say, oh, you know, I went through that. And they 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 project what they went through onto that particular person. Or they just kind of say, oh, you can get through it. Here, read this verse. Or this is how I got through it. That's the worst thing you can actually mm. do. Right? So what does it mean for me to be safe and sit in the tension of the pain of the person that's with me? So that's a father to a daughter. That's a mother to a son. That's everybody, the pastor to this lay people is learning to sit with the hurt and the pain of someone else. And that's to me is being more like Jesus, right? Oh, yeah. Jesus. And, and we say, well, he was God, but he was also a hundred percent human and didn't give pat answers. Mm-hmm. He sat with the woman at the well, right? He sat and, 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 and cried and wept over Lazarus. He felt the pain before he did all these miracles, right? He felt it. And we as a, as a people have to understand we have to be safe, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the, the things that I hear from pastors is, Des, you taught me to shut up, right? <laughs> you, taught, you taught me, okay. right, to ask permission to pray. And you taught me to ask permission to touch and not say, oh, come over here and give me a hug. No, you have to understand what it means, everyone, to become safe. So I, you don't have to become a facilitator, but I believe you need to become a safe Christian. Wow. That is tweetable right there. I need people. <laughs> I need, That's a whole word right there, to become a safe Christian and recognizing that first I heard you say, we have to be willing to recognize and acknowledge our own hurt places. Absolutely. So we stop projecting that on others or even having the expectation that because something worked for me, you just need to do this. Mm -hmm. But actually allowing people to feel safe and actually seen. Exactly. Yeah. Because trauma takes away their voice and power. And then you just do the same. Oh, Right. Wow. Instead of being safe, weep with them, cry with them mm-hmm. and say, I don't know. I don't know. Just like I, you don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm here and Jesus is here because I, I, I'm sitting with you and you just could I just be with you. And we have a hard time. And I had a hard time learning that that is being a Christian. I don't have to beat them up with the Bible. I have to tell I have to sit with I can sit with their doubt. I can sit with their hurt. I can sit with their pain. And and not be offended that they mm-hmm. were said I'm mad at God, mm-hmm. but instead I created a safe place for them to say I'm mad with God. <laughs> right, right. Because he already knows it. He already knows, right? Right. And and, and if if my son got hit by a bus, I, I which you know, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would be like, Lord, what's up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be able to say that's okay. Instead, we feel like we got to give a word. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and not acknowledge the pain. It's a it, as you shared at the top of this. It's a journey. It's a journey, and people will not go on a journey with someone that they don't feel safe, that they don't feel seen, that they don't feel heard with. Ask people why they leave church. They don't leave church a lot. They leave church for these very reasons. Mm-hmm. They didn't feel safe enough to tell someone something or they felt hurt by the reaction or the response of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity for us to, in some ways, um, I feel like that the old uh, continued statement of it's not religion, it's relationship. And that can become cliche-ish when our go-to is someone is showing up with very real pain and hypervigilance, not actually able to focus on the scripture that you just gave them, and they're being met with shame or guilt, but actually relationship has some very key elements. Can you share with us Mm -hmm. some some key strategies that Quest tries to help people understand. You share creating safety, but are there other key principles in healthy relationship mm-hmm. in this journey of a healing healing walk? Yeah. So, if I understand your question, mm-hmm. you're saying how can a per- how can we mm-hmm. have build healthier relationships for people, right? Yes. And I and as one is understanding trauma, right? So, just I think that's a big thing is helping people to put on new glasses, right? Then understanding their role. So that means as a listener, we role play, we do things like that to help them to become better listeners. But then also understand that people are grieving a loss, and that so if you're a rape victim, you lost something. Right. Yes. So helping people to understand and then reinterpreting forgiveness and helping in that relationship, uh, just being able to walk alongside of a person that is very angry and feeling unforgiving. And instead of being beating them up, understand it's a journey. Right. Mm-hmm. So relationally, it's so, so I always like to give this example. If that's OK. Yes. If a person broke their leg and they came to the church, uh, I had to, we had this happen at my church and then the elevator broke. The deacons lined up and, and literally were picking up wheelchairs and bringing people into the church and carrying them up a series of steps, moved out, you know, chairs, everything for people to be comfortable when they got a broken leg. Well, when a person's struggling with mental illness, mm-hmm. do we make those same concessions? Mm-hmm. Instead, we run. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We, oh, she's better. Oh, she's she bit my leg, mm-hmm. my, my mouth. Instead of saying, baby, God, I, I'm here, even if you're going to be upset with me. Right. Mm-hmm. And understanding your role in that. So relationally, it is us being so in our own healing. Right. Because what happens is it taps into our own insecurities and our own our own wounds. Oh, right. But also if I'm on a journey, I'm realizing, oh, that hurt. But I'm okay enough to have good assertive skills, not passive, but not aggressive, but have good assertive skills and, and having the ability to manage my own emotions. Yes. So that so part Huge. of relational is that I'm able to manage my own emotional and my own woundedness and, and being able then to walk alongside someone else. And that to me is where the church has really fallen short. 
And my mentor said something the best over 20-something years ago. Dr. Diane Lambert, one of the people that's highly trained, said this. Trauma healing is a new mission field. Yes. 100. 100%. And so you mentioned your, your mentor. I'm curious, what was a key pivot? We call our show the flip side of adversity. Mm-hmm. What was a key pivot or flip moment that this became a movement for you? Realizing the kids I was working with, um, especially in Camden, I was a children's director for Urban Promise Ministry, and I really felt helpless in some areas because these kids have multiple trauma. I mean, and we know we created a safe place, but... Mm-hmm to see that struggle. Mm-hmm. And so when, when a child doesn't have safety and the world becomes totally unsafe, they can become numb, two extremes, numb and then they don't care. And that's why it's easy for yes. them to commit murder, right? Yes. Or do things, yes. right? Or they become extreme and they just have no emotional regulation. So mm-hmm. then we want to drug them up with ADHD and all that. And there's trauma. It's mm-hmm. trauma and how the brain is responding and trying to survive. Now I know that. Yes. So the flip side of that was the adversity of how do I what how do I present Jesus? How do I love on them, knowing that they're going home to get beat, knowing that they're not going to have they're fending for themselves to have food on the table, knowing their struggle. I felt extremely helpless, Dr. Jackson. Mm-hmm. But God mm-hmm. spoke to me and said, "This is just some things I need you to get a little more tight in ministry mm-hmm. and help." others to learn to walk side of. And now I have young people, now they're grown. So they're 35, 40 years old, college grads. I got one who's a millionaire, yes. you know, that's, you yes. know, that has gone through and say, you know, you were there. Yeah. And I didn't have no major, I had no major skill. I just provided mm-hmm. safe places and love and open up my home and open up other people to be able to support them as well. Mm-hmm. So creating mentorship and creating loving, and now they can became self safe. So not everybody, mm-hmm. but learning to just be. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a sticky question, okay? Because I also want to be able to address some things that I know people murmur in the background. So then are you saying with this approach that that in some ways we're going to allow allow behavior that we know is sinful or allow behavior like allow people because we're creating this safe space how where's the balance in actually continuing to have accountability for what we know to be um pursuing a a healing, but also a spiritual journey in sanctification? This is a great question because the material is both mental health best practices and biblical principles, right? Yes. And I didn't use the word passive communication for a reason. I said assertive. So assertive says, you just hurt me by the way you acted. Yes. So, so a, naming it, naming it, mm-hmm. not just right. ignoring it, not just mm-hmm. ignoring it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm helping that person to begin to regulate. I'm helping them. And through both mental health best practices, right. 
and biblical principles. It doesn't mean that we're leaving them out there. Most people who experience trauma and they've done things, they know they hurt you. And, and, and they actually, what people don't understand is a lot of time the anger we see is actually angry at themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and people don't really catch that because I'll say it in therapy all the time. says, who are you really mad at? I was mad at myself, Ms. Daz. Mm-hmm. So to hear they destroyed the whole house and the parent thinking, oh, he disrespectful. He just mad. No, the kid was actually mad at himself for not being able to regulate. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so what people don't understand is I, you don't have to lay on conviction. Nine, ten times, they're already laying it on themselves. So a person who could begin, and this is the gospel, isn't it? This is the heart of the gospel, right? Is that Jesus came to die for our sins and shame. What people fail to realize, he died for the sin that people did to us. And when people do things to you, you begin to carry a shame that doesn't belong to you. And so Jesus says, I take that from you if you help me. And so helping them to understand that when they're unemotionally regulated and they're doing those sinful things at church, part of why healing groups are so important, they begin to release that shame. And they release the guilt. We hear this all the time. I took my burden to the cross. Yes. Yes. And I feel lighter. Yeah. Yeah. I feel lighter. I have master trainers now who would tell you three or four years ago, they were that person. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know? I love it. So we we need to take a break. Yeah. I am. I know. I told you in my social media post, when she gets started, you are going to be on the edge of your seat, hanging on to every word. But I don't want us to take a break without giving you an action step. So if you are on my social media pages, you have an opportunity to support this work. We are in the middle of a fundraising campaign to bring trauma healing to the streets and specifically to support teens. If you are on my social media pages, the link to be a a help in that fundraising opportunity is in my comment section right now. Help us help teens who are crying out in the streets. You can partner with us by absolutely clicking the link that is posted in our social media comment section, as well as going to, what is the website? Quest Trauma Healing Centers, Quest THC. Dot org or questmovement.org. There you have it. And we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book 
called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. We've been having a powerful conversation with Reverend Desiree Guyton. And Reverend Des has been walking us through and understanding that healing is not a destination. It is a journey. And we have an opportunity to be safe for people in healthy relationships. And so continuing that conversation, you have traveled the globe Mm. doing this work. And I'd like to understand what have you learned, good and bad, Mm. from working in some of the most underserved communities? One of the biggest things I learned was Mm -hmm. that lay people can learn Mm -hmm. and create safe spaces, right? Because um, an American mindset is you go to a therapist, you go to a pastor, you go to an individual. Whereby seeing it globally and seeing uh, people just circle up on the, in, in the park, you know, and um, seeing uh, pe- pastors and people be able to heal. That's what I wanted to bring back because mm-hmm. I learned that overseas in Rwanda watching. We're, here we are training and I'm sitting there, wait a minute. This, we having this right here in, in the States, right? And then I was looking at the children's material, which was birthed out of child soldiers. And I'm sitting there, the streets of Philly is child, child soldiers, right? Wow. And we have, so we tend to, as Americans, think we're not uh, like people, like Rwanda or Kenya or uh, Congo. Uh, but we are, we're experiencing similar things. And so my heart started to, to realize when communities and villages come together, yeah. Right. Yeah. And we begin to see here. I'm telling Wanda is one of the most incredible places to be and to watch healing. I've never, I mean, that to me, when you realize you're the person who killed your family lives two doors down from you mm-hmm. and you forgive them and you have a relationship. Wow. I mean, it's just powerful to see uh, Hittus and Tutsis together in ministry. And, and worshiping together. And, and it's such a small country. They, a lot of times they know who has hurt mm-hmm. them. And to see joy and forgiveness and at its core, you know, it's, it's, that yeah. just helped me to say, wait a minute, this has to come back to America. So I would say those, that's probably the, the greatest thing of understanding that we are a part of a larger pain in the world. And that Jesus is still the answer, right? Yes. Um, and that answer, though, is within community. And I think we just, in America, tend to have lost some of that. 
And uh, so one of my heart is to walk the streets and be with pastors and try to to understand what's really going on, what's the stakeholders, who's really, um, that's what I learned in America mm-hmm. and, and my overseas is, is that every experience is a cultural experience. So just because I'm African-American, I'm walking the street doesn't mean I understand West Philly. Right. Right. You know, we tend to have that mindset as Americans, right? If I'm Latino and I'm in Latino communities, I understand mm-hmm. no, every experience yeah. is a cross-cultural experience. And so I would say that's that's something I really took away is that healing can happen within community when you train lay people and, and that uh, every experience is a cross-cultural experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask on the other end of the continuum, um, what was something difficult that mm-hmm. that you discovered um, that you can now become a part of the solution to? What's something bad? You're like, oh, this is not right. <laughs> We're getting this part wrong. I think so much of it, you know, because I sit in pain, you know, as a therapist mm-hmm. and 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 working with churches that what we just get so, I, I, um, I think what we get wrong is that systems often fall apart. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect system. And that we are a part of systems. That sometimes we, I think where people miss that I'm always checking myself is I have power. And if we understand that every person has an element of power and how we use that power is so radically important. And so I'm often concerned how we use power in America. Uh, we are very, you know, you, you, you step into uh, streets, uh, even South America areas as American, once they know you're American, there is an element of power. Um, mm-hmm. And that, and, and so understand that every relationship I'm in, I have an element of power and I need to be conscious of that. So I think I see in how misuse of power around the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Around the world. But we as Americans are really blind to that. And if we would be more conscious of how we understand our power, ch- church, church leaders, uh, organizations, how our systems fall, admitting to those, watching how our systems handle power, watching how our systems hurt. I think that is so very, very important. Yeah. Can you share a bit or share a testimony or some reflections on how you've helped teens mm-hmm. reconnect with their power? Yeah. You know that I think that's what lights me I up. Look, your whole I'm face. Like, <laughs> I wish I wish the Voice Command, Voice America community could see how her entire <laughs> face just lit up when I asked that question. You know, I'm, I'm going to share. I I did the teen, older teen boys. Uh, that's my favorite group. So and to have them start to admit, you know, they were part of gangs. Um, how they one one of the young men was about 16 years old, almost got his eye gushed out and to watch him when I to to go through the journey that week and at the end you know just big hugs saying I'm not as angry I understand my anger I understand my pain I know now to talk about it I know to here we are no longer going to release this young man back to the streets the same way yes I'm no longer angry as angry that is a powerful statement Right. Because that shifts my decision making when I'm reaching for a weapon or when I'm reaching for a fight. That shifts how I think in those moments. 
the the ability to better manage my emotions. How important yeah. are emotions and emotional regulation? Absolutely important, right? Mm-hmm. But we become emotionally regulated. So as I always say, Satan beats us up in our secrets, right? And so for this young man, all the things that he was bottled up, he was able to begin to release. He even said, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Of course, right? <laughs> and, and our rule is the first day, we know your mom and your grandmom and people made you come. If you don't want to stay, it's cool. You know, we have a 99.5 success mm-hmm. rate in attendance. But the, and the one who didn't couldn't come was because of work, right? Uh-huh. That one day they missed. So this young man is, is, is releasing his mm-hmm. hurt and pain, right? And so emotions are important because... What happens is the brain, right? You, when trauma hits, it it overstimulates the limp, limbic system, right? And so, when that gets overly stimulated, it shuts down the for, the frontal cortex, mm-hmm. which is where we do our thinking. Yes, right. So if you begin overly emotional, it goes down what we call down the vagus nerve, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you have emotional irregulation. So it's so important because part of trauma healing is healing the brain, right? It's helping yes. the person. Once they begin to understand what th- what's happening, we actually teach our teens that. I was hoping yeah, you would say that. We actually teach them what's, what's happening. happening. Right. And when they begin to understand, oh, wow, they begin to see those adjustments. And so I, that lights me up. Is a little bit of tools we've been able to give them in these camps. And then for them to start using them or for them to say, you know, I need to go home and tell my mom I was molested. I need to go home and let this pain out. That to me is what we're all about. Mm. And because once they begin to release it, you could see the regulation starts to happen. They can begin. We give them tools of breathing. We give them the tools of of uh, stopping and thinking mm-hmm. before you're reacting. And, you know, we're giving them these tools, but those tools don't mean anything if I haven't dealt with, if I haven't begun to release it, right? Yes. And so giving them that safe space to talk. Can I ask you a question mm-hmm. around that comment of releasing it? Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with uh, a group um, earlier this week, and we were having a powerful dialogue. It was a healing moment um, people were sharing. And one of the participants said, but I don't want to go back because it's too painful. So that's why I just keep pushing forward. What do you tell people who actually, as you shared, the devil beats us up in our secrets. It has been a secret so long that they actually don't even want to, literally she said, I don't want to go back there. Mm-hmm. What do you say in response to that? Yeah, there's two theories, right? As a, as mm-hmm. a therapist, there is a whole movement of um, not not doing that type of therapy. And I agree to a certain level because mm-hmm. that, that person doesn't need to go to their past. They need to learn what's happening in their bodies. Yeah. They need to learn to regulate mm-hmm. first. Yeah. They need to learn all of what we call uh, uh, somatic Somatic sensory. sensory. Mm -hmm. They need to really go through that journey. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness. And then once they get through and be able to begin to manage, they will begin to slowly let out the areas that they need to let out. And that's the part of the journey. Mm 
yeah. you know? And so, yeah, everyone responds differently. Um, and, and even with our teens, we don't say they got us express, but teens are expressive usually in, in, in that they, they want to be known. That's that age group. So creating that safe space for them to say, and, and most of them say, I'll come, I'm not going to tell my business. Um, but then when we create the safe space, um, and some of them don't do it necessarily in a group, but they may find a safe adult. Mm-hmm. And so over lunch, they want to mm-hmm. share that. And, and then once again, it's not that we want them to be re-traumatized, right? We want them to have a safe place to say, this is what happened. Yeah. And, and that remember. release valve. Yes. The pressure of holding that, that in. Is. And there's a release valve and specific strategies and approaches to release that pressure. Right. So we, I cannot believe how fast this time is going by. There are so many questions <laughs> I still have. But I, I want to make sure people understand what Quest Trauma Healing Centers offers in their training opportunities. So mm-hmm. can you give us a couple of the titles of either online or in-person trainings that people can begin to research and look to you for? Sure. So first we offer a regular initial equipping. And so you could become a a basic trauma healing facilitator, an apprentice. So you do go through that training. And once you do two healing groups, you come back to an advanced. So that same model goes for our teens, our children, and our adults. And our, mm-hmm. our and our generational trauma, and so there's also material that you don't have to be trained. Uh, we don't talk about that mm-hmm. as often, but there's some materials we have a a four day uh, what they call unstuck that you can do with teens that you don't necessarily have to be trained. Um, but we prefer people to be trained, right? Mm-hmm. Because we want mm-hmm. you to be a good listener uh, and a good uh, a person equipped. Yeah. So you can go to our website, and uh, we our most of our training for the fall for the summer is done because we're prepping for the camp. But we we do gear, gear back up come September. Uh, we start our trainings again so people can begin, and so we do that online and in mm-hmm. person. Tell us more about the camp because I want to make mm-hmm. sure people fully understand the opportunity to be able to be a partner mm-hmm. in supporting the camp and the amazing outcomes that you've already been able to see. Yeah, so the camp is all day. So it's it's mm-hmm. literally the kids arrive at 8.30, we feed them breakfast and lunch. Um, and they're there to 4.30, 4.35. They experience two of the lessons so there's 10 they build on them they build on each other they uh they engage a larger story of a young man who witnessed his best friend get shot mm-hmm. and his it's not even his sad sister it's a, a another young lady who lives in his home because his mom and dad mm-hmm. the dad are together and there's domestic violence in the home there's alcoholism in the home as well as this young lady mother died and so she's cutting and depressed so the kids get to engage in this larger story that helps them to start to say, this is what happened to me. This is what's going on. Um, and so in those lessons, there's 10 uh, where we talk about feelings, brain. Uh, we give them these tools throughout as they are engaging this larger story. So they go through two of those lessons and then um, those lessons are very interactive. So they're, they're, they're learning um how to regulate through art exercises, right? And and different things that they they have they're doing. So you know these lessons are two to three hours long. They didn't have lunch, and then we have some a lot of breaks 
because we're dealing with teenagers. Mm-hmm. So there's breaks mm-hmm. in between so they can go out and play basketball and uh, uh, chase each other around. That's what yes. you need to do. You know, things like that too. To, and, and, and that's part of that regulation, yes, right? Yes, it is. And so then they come back in. So that's how all day um, is basically they're paired up by age, by sex. That's no, all the female girls um, between certain age groups are all. Um, so we serve 14 to, to 18. And so they're divided up like the 13 or 14, I mean, 14 and 15 year olds are one group and 15 and 16 and 17, 18 is another group. But they're divided up by male, female. Um, and we have 50 percent males. And males. how many days? Oh, it's five days straight. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I know people say, well, you know, there's an investment Mm-hmm. That seems high in cost because we pay for the food. We help them get some for some of them to get there. We have to stipend staff and, and different mm-hmm. people. But it's so worth it when you're knowing that you're sending 30 kids out. And what's so beautiful is I'm still hearing when I go to the pastors, because there was multiple churches and kids that were in the community, that the kids themselves kept a community going through text messaging. They became their own support network at schools and things like that. So we know that that's still going on because we've heard from the youth pastors and pastors and teachers in the local community that those 30 kids have really bonded. Wow. Yeah. They created their own kind of village after such an intense and restorative experience. They didn't want it to end. Yes. And so is it only one week? Yes. One week, five days, all day, food included, and and even recognizing that they are teens, allowing them to be young, but actually allowing them to release that pressure valve of things that are actually getting in the way of their ability to learn, their ability to create healthy relationships, manage their emotions, all of that. Oh, I tell you, I know you're waiting to figure out how can you get involved? How can you support this? So, Reverend Des, please walk people through what you need in order to make this happen. Right. We really need an additional $10,000 to make this happen. Um, And so people's financial gifts are so very, very important. Um, And so we ask you, please visit our site. I think the link's in the the comments. Please give. um, And also consider being an ongoing giver a monthly donation um, because we continue to uh, train people, support churches, our centers are on the ground, and we really want to continue the effort in which we're doing to multiply this. Then also consider um, praying for us and just that, that because the enemy loves to come against us. So please, if you're a prayer warrior, pray for us, but then also consider advocating and bringing this to your community. If you say, oh, you know what? I don't have the time for the training. You may not, but you know people who could. And so, um, uh, you know, become a part of Quest. Join, subscribe to us so you can become a part of our conversations. We have monthly meetings and things that you can join in and just learn more about trauma and connect. So we mentor people. We don't just train them and leave them out there. We have what we call Q Academy, where people can continue to grow and um, learn more about trauma and continue to learn from professionals about how to continue to grow as lay, lay leaders in the community. And I'd like for you to share uh, your website again for okay. people to be able to know how to connect and actually see mm-hmm. the menu of resources that you provide. Yes. So it's questmovement.org. 
Um, and also, if you just want to specifically go to a particular program, you can go to teen trauma healing um, or children trauma healing. And um, those are separate, more appealing websites for, for our teens, but they connect, you know, so you, you connect to the main site through that as well. But that's a great way to, to connect. Um, but Quest trauma, questmovement.org is the main site, and you can definitely go there and to do, donate and subscribe and get on our, our list and stay in communication with us. Also, join our Facebook. We have a Quest Trauma Healing uh, Center's uh, Facebook group and, and also a group. So uh, you can join in and we, we, we correspond and, and communicate that way as well. Wow. I want to thank you for how open, supportive, and clear mm-hmm. this message has been. Um, I think the moment you said, we must become safe Christians for people, the I think coming out of the three years of a pandemic of mm-hmm. being behind screens, being behind masks, being um, isolated, people want to be seen. Yes. And I always ask my guests in the last few minutes of time that we have to to think about someone who is listening. Mm-hmm. They just by chance um, receive the link mm-hmm. and they are feeling lost. Mm-hmm. They're feeling unheard. Um, what would you share with someone who's in that place? Yes, I I want to share that you you are not alone, okay, and that um, reach out, um, get connected, walk that journey. There's hope, um, and there's a place of release. And I really would love to see you connect, and you can hit me up directly because we probably have a facilitator or someone in the area that would come and meet with you. That's the beauty of a large community of facilitators. People people are so compassionate that they're willing to meet with people one-on-one and uh, and just encourage you and get you connected to a healing group. And uh, so you're not alone. And, uh, you know, really, I'll even personally con- contact yeah. you because it just, I don't want people to suffer alone. And uh, and so let us let us connect you to someone yeah. safe. <laughs> yes. I, I absolutely felt that. I felt that. Mm-hmm. I feel um, as I, I do this work, uh, I work with, Schools that are working with young people who are in a lot of pain and adults who are trying to navigate young people's pain and not even pay attention to their own. Um, And so recognizing we're not alone, that there are resources available and um, going to questmovement.org is one of the first steps to be able to see resources to get connected and absolutely with everything that's happening within our community, within the hearts of our young people, when we hear that there is an organization that desires to spread love and healing, we cannot sit and be indifferent. Mm. I think about Um, former Representative John Lewis's statement that our children will ask us, what did you do? What did you say? Mm -hmm. You have an opportunity 
to be a part of a powerful movement. Don't let this moment go by. Thank you. Thank you. Reverend Des, this was amazing. Oh, thank you. Your wealth of knowledge and your heart continues mm. to just draw me in. And um, again, it's an honor to be a part of the board. Um, and if you have not had an opportunity to connect, um, find us on social media. You can go to Quest Trauma Healing Centers on Facebook. And you can also look at Dr. Veerdra Jackson. And in both places, ways you can connect, it'll be right there. So we are continuing our last few weeks of talking about healing, health, and wellness. It's an opportunity for us all to continue this journey. Your trauma is not your destiny. It's actually not even your stopping place. It is a it is a place that you might find yourself right now, but that's not your end mm -hmm. and God's not done. So we welcome the opportunity to continue to connect with you, support with you right here, same place, same time, right here on the flip side. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning into Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.